The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment of the Week coming up later in the episode. All right, welcome on everyone to a playoff week three edition, a playoff losers week three edition of Hollinger and Duncan. Got much to discuss here. Obviously, we got to catch up on what's going on in the playoffs to date. And of course, we also got to check in on some of these teams and why they lost and where they potentially can go from here. John, would you like to be positive about the teams that are doing well or negative about the teams that have already been eliminated or negative about the teams that are trailing in their series? I will leave it to you here to pick to start. Um, Let's go negative but not all the way negative about the teams whose seasons have ended okay who do you want to start with uh so uh, it looks like the big story of the day is uh indiana actually yeah wow that with uh nate bjorkren they've moved on from him. and it seems actually that is quite interconnected with maybe some of the other teams whose seasons have ended certainly yeah so far yeah yeah it seems like uh you know terry stotts and steve clifford are going to be candidates in indiana uh with stotts name being mentioned pretty prominently here and then you also wonder uh there is another team who is currently down 2-0 in their second round series and you wonder if their coach would become a candidate too uh, if he were to become available hypothetically yeah that's uh well by the way i can assure you guys you know we had some problems at the start of the show muting and unmuting and it wasn't really working we couldn't hear each other it was probably annoying for the listener i assure you that has nothing to do with the state of the roster on this podcast <laughs> it, is, it is it was all just bad coaching it's nothing to do with me or john whatsoever <laughs> that that was some uh performance art wasn't it? i actually wrote about that in the athletic um that you know it 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 came across badly um I also wonder what other choice he sort of had. Like if your if your ultimate end game is you don't want Lillard demanding a trade, right? Like that that's that's your worst case scenario. So and you're pretty much stuck with this roster at least next year for sure. Um, so what else are you going to say? Yeah, I, 
I mean, you could sort of have a little humility about it, maybe. I mean, but yeah. N- Neil O'Shea is not known for that. He is not known for, you know, really, uh, he always is going to put the absolute best face on his own work in the media. For those who missed it, it he said basically that uh, their loss had nothing to do with the players on the roster. And, uh, you know, it might be, uh, might want to take a look at yourself in the mirror if you had your backup front court as Ennis Cantor, who was so bad he couldn't even play in the playoffs and Carmelo Anthony I do agree that I think it was time for them to move on from Stotts I think it just I don't know if anyone could fix the defense but it was clear that he couldn't um, yeah, that, and they do have some decent players yeah that's a fair way to put it I mean the the one part where I sort of agreed with him was that they shouldn't have been 29th in these like they shouldn't have been that bad yeah and they were screwing up some basic stuff in that Denver series yes Denver is very good yes you didn't expect you know Austin Rivers to have five out of ten three-point shooting games right i mean i think actually all four games that denver won in that series they shot well over 40 percent from three like on good volume i mean that's that was in, in theory kind of the right strategy to make them bomb away like they wouldn't weren't going to hit like that every game but still like they were just giving up very easy stuff on things like not helping off facundo Campazzo when he hits sets a screen for nikola Jokic. Yeah. you know because they're worried Campazzo is gonna like you know pop out for a three-pointer or something like that was just just not locked in enough on just like some of the principles and some of the core actions that that denver had i thought um so yeah i mean that that's uh, but what can they do is the question here to get better and uh, uh, let me ask you this like do you feel like portland other than the defense is like underperformed over the last few years from like a roster standpoint like is there more that they should have realistically been doing i don't think so like i didn't think their roster was that good heading into last year when uh olshay famously proclaimed it you know the deepest most talented team they've had since he's been there and uh uh i i just thought they they massively overrated some of the guys that they had picked up at that point and they didn't really change the roster that much heading into this year now they had some injury issues but like i mean zach collins isn't the difference between what happened this year and like making the conference finals i mean he's just not and so you know and and lillard has been basically totally healthy and had the two best years of his career and they've been kind of wasted so anybody that you like there for them I, I th- that's why that's why I think the coach is the only move on the board because what what uh, what else are they going to do? I well, mean, from from a coaching standpoint, then from a coaching standpoint, I would try to use Derek Jones Jr. as a five. Um, I, I think they didn't really try that. Um, yeah. I, uh, you know, they, but the, the, I mean, they had the players they had. I thought they were maybe a little too deferential to Carmelo. Um, and, but he, I mean, he wasn't terrible this year. And like, if they hadn't been, would that have shifted them? You know, maybe they get one more win, right? Like, it, it, it just wasn't a, that wasn't a needle moving decision either. And so, yeah, it, Car- Carmelo being like number two in the NBA in contested two point jumpers attempted might have been yeah. a little speculative yeah. there. But, but, I mean, when I say from a coaching spot, I mean, like, are there any coaches that are out there that you think would be a solid candidate there? Uh, I, I've got one if you, if you, none come to mind for you. All right. Who's your, I thought of one name, but who's your guy? Mike D'Antoni. I think we've even talked about him before. 
uh, oh, that's a on this show. that's a good one, yeah, because it's an offensive team. Um, not really switch talent uh, yeah. for the defensive side. I would say. I mean, that's one of the things with having Lillard and McCollum is that you're you're sort of locked into to playing a certain way because switching probably isn't going to be as effective with them. But who knows? Maybe you can give it a try and 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 see if it works. I mean, if they and if they bring back Powell next year, like that's you're basically all in on offense with that right when you're yeah when you're talking about another smallish guy playing the three you have one elite help defender but you don't have anyone to like stop the ball in the first place yeah and they also have Nurkic who they basically whenever he's been off the floor that's when they've been complete disasters defensively so it's hard to switch uh, with him as well but offensively I mean I think just kind of leaning into that just finding a way to make it a little easier for Lillard in the playoffs you know maybe D'Antoni can come up with some stuff from there and also I, I talked about this with Danny last night uh i came up with a new term for this coaching situation you know when a player dribbles for 25 seconds and then uh, well probably not 25 seconds but 20 seconds and then can't get an opening and so he passes it to another teammate with five in the shot clock who doesn't have an opening I, that's like i call that a flaming bag when you, yeah this is yeah. like a flaming bag coaching situation where you basically got one year left to get it right or your star might leave there's all kinds of pressure the expectations are probably unrealistically high and so man like if you're like a real up-and-coming coaching candidate with other options like do you want this job when you know that like basically like you have to succeed right away you can't grow into the job you can't try stuff out you got to just look awesome right away or dame lillard might want to get traded at the at the trade deadline i would certainly put in a call to steven silas before i took it (laughs) oh yeah yeah that was the ultimate flaming bag yeah Yeah. that was the ultimate flaming bag of a job right there yeah so i mean but d'antoni like his time horizon he's kind of established i don't think he's gonna have other options he's he's 71 i think so he's only gonna probably coach for another two three years at most anyway so that i kind of like that idea um I like that idea, but when you come into a presser saying no matter what, you're going to hire a coach who can improve the defense, and that's the number one thing. Improve the defense, and that's the number one thing. I, I don't think you can turn around. Like I, the op, the optics on that are terrible. Amil um, O'Shea doesn't care about the optics. I, I I think he cares a lot about the optics, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I, the guy I was going to mention was Steve Clifford. Yeah, that's a, another interesting one as well. well. We've talked about Portland quite a bit here, John, and I think quite clearly Neil O'Shea saying the roster had nothing to do with their loss is the Michelob Ultra moment of the week at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. I certainly enjoyed Neil's presser this time. Blazers fans, I think that moment could have been improved for you with a, a Michelob Ultra, but it is certainly my hope that Blazers fans will experience joy and happiness of seeing dame lillard in a blazers uniform for years to come at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories with michelob ultra enjoyment isn't the end game it's the whole game go check out tons of other exciting ultra moments with the hashtag ultra moment credit karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions and now they want to help even more with a credit karma money spend account you can be rewarded for good money habits credit karma is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases use your credit karma money debit card and you can win daily instant karma purchase reimbursements on items up to five thousand dollars just pay with your debit card and if you win you'll be notified on the spot and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account 
They've already given away over $3 million in instant karma to over 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. No minimum balance, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals for a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Inc. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. I think the other team we got to talk about here is a team that probably has better hopes next year mm-hmm. in the Western Conference, and that is the LA Lakers. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I think their their supporting cast really let them down this year. I mean, when you go full mid level for Montrez Harrell and he, he doesn't even get on the floor, basically. Um, their biannual exception was Wes Matthews, who was basically a bit player. Um, you know, uh, went through Marcus All, Andre Drummond at the center spot after giving up draft equity to unload JaVale McGee. Like, would, at the end of the day, would their season have been any different with JaVale McGee than those guys? No, I, I, I wouldn't think so and so you know they had some issues with COVID they had some issues with injuries they were 21 and 6 with LeBron and Davis you know I mean you would love it if they could just build their team around I don't know maybe some shooters around LeBron James and Anthony Davis like is that just like too easy (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) I mean like for these guys to struggle offensively when you have LeBron and Anthony Davis because you're shooting 29% from three as a team on wide open looks in the playoffs you know like that's just not really acceptable and you know kcp i think can kind of fit into that a little bit yeah uh they, they Schroeder, tried bringing in yeah. ben mclemore west matthews but I, th- I think they just needed yeah. to get like a notch higher of player than that yeah someone like danny green maybe uh, uh so oh no i mean but but uh like Schroeder, you know i think like the idea it, it seemed like too much of their focus and you can understand this uh, although i will i was on record as not liking their offseason moves at the time so i mean people were like oh it's they made great moves everyone loved them like no i wasn't a fan of them in the beginning but i could at least understand the thinking which was hey lebron ad we just went off this run in the bubble we got the shortest offseason ever so uh, what are we doing here we gotta like make things easier for these guys during the regular season or they're gonna burn out as it turned out they got injured anyway but mm-hmm. but yeah like harold and Schroeder, just uh, guy like anybody with a brain would know that Montrose harold playing next to anthony davis in the playoffs was just a complete non-starter it was just never going to work uh yeah, and exactly and Schroeder, you know the idea is all right we need like one more creator but then maybe that could have worked if you're like all right we're going to play anthony davis at center basically all the time in the playoffs and we're going to have two great shooters in addition to lebron and ad and Schroeder. you know then maybe it would have worked because Schroeder would have had more space to attack but he's not a good enough spot up shooter and so you know they really just to have one guy on the roster where teams are like no we can't leave this dude yeah i mean that that would be amazing now you know who is that going to be what can they trade this offseason i mean they can trade their 2027 first rounder they, they lost trade, the chance they can trade yeah. this year's first rounder on draft night that is correct too yeah they can do that I, I, so you know with that they are probably going to be too close to the tax to do a sign and trade though to receive a player yes in a sign and trade um 
you know i mean i think they would love to have like a tim hardaway jr but i think i I don't know how it is that they get that guy i agree with that and you know even to just run it back is going to end up putting them roughly 30 million into the tax which is like a hundred million dollar check to the league i mean even for the lakers that's like that's a tough pill to swallow um so i i think there's a lot of questions just about how this team is built and how they try to redo it um you know maybe like well yeah they might have to uh might have to dip into that ppp loan they applied for I think Harold opting out might do him a favor if that happens. Oh, um, yeah, 100%. Would you, if you could just take Harold and you're one of these center needy teams, because the center market is just atrocious this year uh, for free agents, uh, like, would you just take Harold if he opts in? If you were another team, like, is there any team that, like, if you're Charlotte or something, like, you got some cat space, would you just take him for $9 million? Yeah, like, especially if I'm one of those teams where I'm not thinking about June, I'm thinking about getting to the point where I can play a game in may like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna probably uh take him especially at that number yeah yeah and you know like james borrego has shown a good ability to kind of hide bad defenders in the zone ultimately that adds up but i mean having like a dominant role man although fair to question perhaps whether harrell is that still but uh to pair with Devonte graham who they'll presumably bring back and rosier and obviously Lamelo. Yeah. i almost said lonzo it's so funny how i stopped thinking about all these other teams like when you get into like this point in the playoffs and you're seeing like how high level this is and like how you know only six guys can stay on the floor in that clippers dallas series like it's just such a step down thinking about these teams that didn't even make the playoffs and it's like they just feel completely irrelevant you're like these, these teams are so far away from even being able to like right. think about being in the position that we're watching teams in right now right like what what is what does cleveland's five-man lineup look like in this series right <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, so anyway, yeah, I, you know, a trade of Harold just to open up the space, I think uh, would be pretty good for them. But then obviously you run into the question of these free agents with Horton Tucker, Caruso, and uh, of course, Dennis Schroeder. Uh, what do you think happens there? What, what, well, uh, let me, I'll, let me change up actually. How would you handle that now as the Lakers general manager? So I think it's a very tricky area there. And the first thing I'm trying to do is pair a contract with my first round pick, 22nd overall, to see if I can get a significant talent upgrade um, to a player who is already under contract. Uh, and that's still going to be tough. But I think the trade market this year is going to be very active just because the free mar- agent market is so lame. And so I, I would look very hard at that if, if I was the Lakers first. Um, I wrote about something last year called the bird rights trap, which basically means with a player like Dennis Schroeder, if you don't re-sign him, you cannot replace him because you are too close. You're, you're, you're over the cap. You only have the mid-level exception. You're just not going to get somebody as good. So in their situation where you're basically, I mean, you have to come in with the mindset that you're all in for right now. LeBron James is 37 or whatever. Like you're, And Anthony Davis, to be honest, has been pretty brittle, even though he's younger. So I, I think you have to operate with that mindset. Um, I do think you want to re-sign Horton Tucker. I think other teams are going to drop offer sheets that make that 
a, a test of wills, let's say, for, for, for the Lakers. So that that's going to get really interesting. You could, you know, if there's a way to get assets for you that work in another trade, you could go ahead and sign and trade him. Uh, and and that may be the best way to organize your your payroll if, if it gets you something out of it. But like the, you know, they talk, people talked about the Kyle Lowry move they didn't make because they didn't want to give up Horton Tucker. But the thing is, like they... They have a hard time signing Kyle Lowry now because they they don't they don't have his bird rights and they can't do a sign and trade for him. So they're basically looking at their their best option would be if Montrezl Harrell opted out, they'd probably have enough wiggle room to sign him with their full mid level exception if Lowry was willing to pay for that little. And and that's kind of it, right? Yeah, and I wouldn't be. I mean, well, he he specifically said in his presser leaving Toronto, money and years talk. So yeah, that's a, that's not a very loud voice. Yeah, and they they will talk louder in Miami. Let's say so. Um, yeah. So yeah. Well, so, so this is yeah. Go ahead. It, sorry. It's it's gonna be really hard. <laughs> Basically, this is a difficult off season coming for the Lakers. They they are going to have to find talent in in place in non obvious places, and you know makes make some deals with their assets that just reshape this pie differently so that the pieces fit it's going to be a challenge uh one guy i do think the lakers maybe should look at uh who can opt out of his minimum deal is bryn forbes from milwaukee yeah that's an interesting one you know this is it's kind of coming more into focus for me now that this ad not playing center thing totally screws them up because if you if you're because you just you it's not possible to get enough shooting on the floor ad is like you know probably a below average shooter for a four in today's day and age and obviously you don't want him just like hanging out by the three-point line you're gonna Mm -hmm. have some center who can't shoot Mm -hmm. and then lebron you want the ball to be in his hands and so now but you also don't want lebron to be the only ball handler right they kind of they kind of got past that when lebron was averaging 10 assists in 1920 but they don't want to put that burden on him and have him be the only guy who can attack off the dribble on the whole team so now you're going to also have to have a point guard point guards who can drive to the basket and create probably aren't going to be great shooters either and so now you've basically got one position to put a shooter at if you just put ad at center now he's a plus shooter at the five you can put in another guy who can shoot at the four or play lebron there even though he doesn't want to play the four and so yeah i mean i understand maybe you could start with the center but you definitely don't want to put any resources in other than just the pure minimum for these centers just and in the playoffs like you just got to play ad at center for 35 minutes a game or you're just not going to be able to score well enough and they kind of for whatever reason all these guys hit shots in the bubble which was not what they did during the regular yeah. season last year and it's Inclu- not what they including did ad yeah yeah ad was a 40 percent for three and like 50 percent for mid-range in the bubble so yeah you know but brad says can ad's body handle playing the five i'm not really sure like what that means right like what what is causing him to be injured playing the five like it's not like you know i mean maybe some of this like shoulder stuff or whatever but i mean if you want to win it that's just the only way to do it you got to just hope that he holds up in the playoffs during the regular season sure you know plan on playing ad at center 20 minutes a game he held up just fine in 2018 in that the one year that they were good in new orleans and he had a stretch four next to him with miritich so i but like it just it messes up the structure of their offense so much to not have him playing the five if you're all 
else going to have LeBron? And then you also got to have another guy who can dribble as well and probably isn't going to be able to shoot. Yeah, so they, I think they have to rethink a lot. And, uh, you know, the one guy who could potentially be a shot creator off the dribble uh, was Kuzma. And, you know, he had a good start to his year, and I think he kind of got lost as the year went on. I mean, I don't think you can afford him at $13 million. I think I think you got to just move on from him at this point. Yeah, if, if you're paying you him to be a backup four. I think you have to hope that somebody else likes him and that you know you're, you're almost like that extension was almost done with the idea of having a trade ship maybe or maybe it wasn't but now you look at it that way that okay can he be the guy who gets us the guy yeah so yeah it's gonna be a, an interesting offseason for the lakers uh, any more of these uh post-mortems you wanted to do uh, or should we talk about uh, what's happened here in the playoffs i think we gotta talk about dallas yes another fascinating one and it's so weird to think of hey luca's only 22 he's about to sign a supermax extension and to wonder like what their path forward is nonetheless yeah, you know, it's interesting um, because the conversation with, oh, Dallas will have max cops, cap space, that assumed that Josh Richardson would opt out, <laughs> which I don't really see happening anymore. Um, yeah, $11 million player option for him. So if he opts in, they're down to $23 million in space. Yeah, yeah. And so, and that's without Hardaway, obviously, who played well enough that I think you probably want to bring him back because he showed he does fit. They don't really have draft, they don't have any draft equity because of the Porzingis deal. So they can't make deals that way. And Porzingis, I think, I mean, they got to figure out a way to activate him, right? He, he can't, he can't just be a very tall shooting guard right and they're like they i i, I don't know like they, they, there has there has to yeah. be some way to make him a bigger part of the picture and i think that the other the other place dallas hurts themselves is luca is so comfortable playing on the ball and is so good on it that they don't really cultivate other options but what happens is you can see it i mean you can see it within games and you can see it in the regular season and you see it especially in the playoffs that by the fourth quarter he just doesn't have the same juice doing that and you know if you can do more to lessen his strain in the first three quarters i mean because to me you either have to cut him back to 34 minutes a game in the playoffs or you have to figure out a way to have jalen brunson or somebody else be like the lead ball handler while luca is also on the floor and let him just take a break every now and then i i agree with you that that's a huge concern and i also think that if they had just had a different matchup in the playoffs these last two years like the clippers are a really difficult matchup for them uh with the wing defenders that they have and that they can just switch everything so that really takes porzingis out of his pick and pop game uh you know we might be feeling totally differently about them if they were just playing against a team that had a, a traditional center um because it's also you know if luke can, can just play pick and roll it's much easier for him if he's got to go one-on-one all the time against a switch like he is going to wear down and brunson is way less effective that way also so all these playoff defenses like whoever draws dallas is going to be switching those pick and rolls in the playoffs well like utah wouldn't i don't think that phoenix would but yeah i mean the best teams are going to be able to have that defensive versatility i mean that's been a principle that we've seen very clearly over the last five years so i i agree with you there um but also like the offense wasn't the problem in that series like the d they couldn't stop anybody i mean that's that to me is the bigger structural issue that they have and porzingis in addition to getting injured like he's probably too slow you know he's gonna have to play conventional pick and roll defense he doesn't have the scheme versatility so i mean as crazy as it is to say luca signs that extension i mean he obviously wants to put some pressure on them but i think i would just 
you know, the you already know where this road leads with Porzingis and Tim Hardaway Jr., who also is not that good defensively. Mm-hmm. You just, yeah, if Tim Hardaway Jr. is pretty good. Hey, we can't take a step back, blah, blah. You want to spend $80 million on this dude at age 29? Like, where are you going with that if you do that? And same thing, you know, you've got $30 million to Porzingis. So you think you're going to pay Tim Hardaway Jr. like your third best player and Porzingis like your second best player? Like, you can't win that way. I don't care who your number one is. So I think you just, you have to not be in that situation and now who is the other second star that you're going to get i mean i have no idea maybe it's uh cap space in 2022 which they're not currently slated to have because luca's extension is going to kick in you know but maybe it's just moving on from porzingis at that point or trying to do that now even right maybe you should even do that now you know like like, so let me ask you this like if you could just let's say you could just trade christophs porzingis into san antonio's cap space and get something you know nominal back so you don't take the pr hit as much would you do that just get rid of him wow wow you you might (laughs) i mean like it's scary right like i think you probably have a lower chance of like you're probably gonna take a step back next year yeah maybe you never even get somebody as good as porzingis but i think luca is that good you still got some decent low salaried role players you know like is not having porzingis really going to kill you next year and you can find a decent you know you mentioned like Bryn for you find like a decent hardaway junior facsimile for next year like well, shooting can, guard you actually also is can, the you one. also can still resign hardaway um like and just move him later potentially or just you know what if you did you know one year 30 million or something yeah yeah i mean maybe that's what it is uh, as well you know i I assume he'd want to have something longer term but yeah I think it, it, that's uh you know or maybe they can try the John Collins route you know Collins is a little more versatility oh, defensively but yeah. still probably not that's, enough that's that's a good one actually I I, I actually like that one because he could be a role man or a pop man and he definitely has more scheme versatility than than Porzingis at this point um the other one I was going to ask you about because I see Lillard and Doncic being in kind of the same boat where they're both elite elite offensive players who basically assure you're going to have a top-notch offense just by their presence yeah uh but they don't really they don't move the needle for you on defense at all um which is in contrast to a lot of other superstar players um and so you you need more defensive heft around them uh for that reason i think that's a that's a structural obstacle that both dallas and portland face with their teams um and i'm i'm not sure if this is just trading potato for potato but i was wondering about chris Stapps perzingis for cj mccollum yeah that came up actually on our locker room yesterday me and danny um i ultimately don't think i would do that if i were dallas because again you're just locking into something that is just it's not going to get you there you know it's not going to get you there like it might be an incremental improvement over the next year or two it might not be with cj but like your defense isn't going to get any better if you've got Doncic and mccollum out there and you know i think i would do that as portland i think and then i guess you would try to move nurkic uh to see if you could get some wing help although you know trading a big for a wing good luck with that in today's nba yeah yeah that's but but i do think like the pick and pop game of porzingis would be pretty good uh with lillard so i I, yeah i mean that's i don't think it moves the needle for either team but i'd probably prefer that as portland i just i I mean do you agree with me that getting a cj is just like all right that's kind of nice but like is he really as your second best player is that getting you there i i think i think both teams are basically still in the same place after the trade it's just it's it's rearranging deck furniture right 
right? Yeah. But I, but you're I also think, you're I think that's young where, for old. Yeah, you know? I, I think that's where I end up on that. And CJ has another year, actually. I th- oh no, actually, no, they both have you say, they you both say have young, three years. You say young for old, but I think there's a decent chance CJ ends up playing longer than Porzingis does. Yeah, although Porzingis has at least the possibility of continuing to improve, which I don't think CJ does. So I mean, it's all it's yeah. all about possibilities here. Uh, I think, and you know, I think there's a reasonable argument that hey, we don't want to trade Porzingis now. He's at his eighth year, but if he suffers another injury, then you can't even move him for nothing. Yeah, you're you're so. sitting on dead money at that point. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah. Boy, that's, I mean, there, that Spurs idea is interesting. Yeah, I mean, now I would if I. What about how about this one? What if you offered Porzingis and a first round pick for like Derek White, assuming White is healthy now with this this toe and an ankle thing, or, or one of these other, you know, or Kelton Johnson, one of these other like young Spurs guys? Are any of them? Are any of them? Do any of them really change anything for you? I mean, D- Derek White, maybe I guess. Yeah. Well, he his, makes little enough money. His contract like, is not. Not bad, yeah. yeah. So you right. probably could live with that. Like I don't, I don't think Dejounte quite fits. Um, no, he doesn't. Vassell is probably a little too speculative to do that. Um, yeah, I mean, Derek White would be the one, and he's the one who maybe doesn't quite fit as well with what San Antonio is doing either, because he's older than these other guys. Yeah, like Porzingis isn't that much younger than him, but I mean, I could see the Spurs just being like, "Ooh, foreign big!" Like, you know, it, it, we really want this guy. I mean, I don't know that Porzingis, from an attitude perspective, is necessarily a Spurs guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's had some foibles there, but yeah uh so yeah i you know it's uh i'm not sure what they do at this point which is crazy to think about you have this 22 year old superstar that you know is this our is this going to turn into lebron james in cleveland 2.0 yeah yeah you you definitely wonder about Uh, that um does that mean presumes is larry hughes I mean, I do he, think he hasn't he hasn't fallen that game. far. Let's okay. Let's let's back off. No, he has not fallen that far. Today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at two point six carbs and ninety five calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Let's uh let's talk about what's going on here in the latter half of the first round, and then in in round two here. And obviously, another team that is I, I mean, this has just been shocking to me how bad the Milwaukee Bucks have looked. As much credit as I want to give to Brooklyn and Kevin Durant looking like the best player in the NBA again, which is just an amazing story that I'm mm-hmm. incredibly happy about. Man, like, I, I mean, how can the Bucks be this bad? How are they struggling this badly to score after two games? It's it's so bewildering because the Nets, I mean, the Nets are set up to beat you with offense, right? They're not set up to be a dominant defensive team. They're set up to, okay, we're going to do our switching and it'll be okay enough and we'll, you know, we'll get a few stops and then we'll, you know, you won't be able to stop us and that's how we'll win. And Milwaukee's just scratching their, you know, after Boston, I mean, Boston with one guy was basically getting mostly what they wanted offensively against this team and the Bucks are scratching their head like, how do we beat these guys? Um, I do think they got to get Giannis off the ball. I, I think I, I think that's where it starts. I think he can he can be so much more threatening against, especially against those lineups Brooklyn has out there um, as, you know, screening, rolling, uh, doing that kind of stuff. Um, uh, so I would start there. I think Chris Middleton just has to play better. Uh, and, you know, y- you have to trust that he'll come around at some point. I mean, he was good last round. Yeah. He's been a good player his whole career. He's just not been good here. Uh, but it's... It's it's shocking. I mean, their their one sort of effective ruse has been Brooke Lopez in the post, but I just I just don't think you're ever going to score enough that way to to play that as your main offense. No, particularly because Brooke is never ever ever going to pass 
possible. He's he's actually thrown it out a couple times in this series, which has like been shocking. I I had already turned off that game by the time I think he did that (laughs) in in game two. Uh, But I I think think actually like Holiday had some pointed questions or or pointed comments in the media afterwards of like, hey, we got to get it into the paint and then kick it out. And there's one play where Brooke went into like four guys and both Holiday and Middleton were standing at the three point line with their arms up. And so maybe maybe someone had to talk with him. Maybe someone had to talk with him after that. And that's why he started passing. But like you can't just become a good passer. Like you have to actually see those reads. Like, yeah, you, it's when to actually make the decision of like, all right, I'm taking what the defense is giving me. I'm I'm not open here. If he recognized that, then he would have been a better passer already. Like you can't just make flip a switch on something like that. It takes years yeah. of practice. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, game one, uh, I thought there was a lot of Jeff Teague happening. Yeah, they at least adjusted and didn't play him in, during the competitive portion of the game, i.e. the first five minutes. <laughs> but but uh but I, I think it's it they've got some real structural problems defensively and i think missing divincenzo is part of that but the brook lopez thing like, you know they could they might be able to outscore brooklyn in some of these games like brooklyn's defense has been much worse on the road it's been really good actually at home even against the celtics it was but they got lit up on the road uh although the bucks don't really have a player as good as jason tatum it seems like offensively and so the bucks will will score better i think particularly at home like they'll they can probably win some games in this series though obviously if they win game three then they're just done but there's no way that they can slow down the nets offense it seems like for to win four out of the next five games like it's just because brooke lopez is in a drop they're killing that with harris coming off screens with kd and pick and roll Kyrie and pick and roll with mike james Mm-hmm. in pick and roll so there's that structural issue and then you take lopez off the floor well like Giannis is getting cooked pj tucker is getting cooked those are like your good defenders on kd if you're gonna switch yeah then you're gonna be in even worse position and you're gonna have no help at the rim i mean i kind of like the net strategy of going right at uh out of the cupo at every opportunity and it's worked great like both Kyrie and kd have really sized him up and challenged his ability to move laterally and he hasn't been able to do it which i has been really surprising to me so I just don't know how the Bucks, with their personnel, can fix this well enough to win four out of the next five games. Do you dare to play zone against this Brooklyn team? They tried it a little bit. They tried it a little bit in, in uh, the start of game two. I mean, maybe you you go for a box and one on KD, um, but you still got Harris and you got Kyrie out there, right? I mean, it's just... And KD is like the greatest zone buster in NBA history. If you have a guard just in his position in the zone like he's just going to be able to shoot over that guy in a closeout every single time so i don't i mean it might you might just throw him off a rhythm a little bit and just like you know they're not moving the ball they're just getting their shots in a little different ways than they would expect maybe but and you're still going to be giving up wide open threes which uh these guys are pretty good those as it turns out the thing about these nets you give steve nash a lot of credit and give these three all-stars a lot of credit that as good as they are individually and they can play your turn my turn sometimes but when the situation calls for it they move it and that makes it so much harder to play against them and and defeat them because they're they don't get sucked into just going one-on-one 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 over and over again and that activates these secondary players you know we saw Blake Griffin obviously but even Bruce Brown Landry Shamit like like these guys are able to eat basically because those those three stars are willing to move off the ball and this I don't know if 
this version of Kevin Durant is better than the Warriors version or the OKC version, but he certainly is in by far the best position to succeed. And you might think, oh, that's the best position to succeed. And you might think, oh, that's crazy. Like, how can you say that he's playing with Steph Curry and Clayton and Andre Iguodala, who were both relatively non-threats, or he was playing with a center who couldn't shoot at all on those Warriors teams. And so he didn't really, like, even in like that Houston series, for example, like they didn't just put Kevin Durant in high pick and roll and let him go to work with a ton of shooting around him. Obviously, OKC couldn't do that either. Uh, or just let him isolate a, against the other team's defender. Like, because I was like, oh, PJ Tucker, like he did a pretty good job on KD back in that 2018 series against Houston. Well, yeah, they had all these non-shooters on the Warriors then. It was basically just Steph and Clay were the only other shooters on the team. Now they're shooting at basically every position uh, except for maybe one. And even Bruce Brown, you know, he's so quick that he can kind of, putting your center on him is, he's actually like able to beat that guy or flip the angle of the screen and get, and get KD open. So this is Kevin Durant with this type of space. We've never seen that. And this is, there's no way to deal with it whatsoever if he's playing like this. And then offensively, I mean, PJ Tucker is a total zero on offense now. And yeah so if you're going to start him and he's going to get cooked like this like i think you just have to go in a different direction like you have to start Connaughton or or do something different because you you have to at least score enough to be viable in this game um and and right now they're just yeah. not yeah i mean to just accept the fact that you're not going to stop them and just go more off but they just like they don't have the depth they don't really have another way to play and you know losing divincenzo really helped there of like their one other guard other than holiday who could shoot and was also competent defensively so I, I yeah i don't really know what they can turn to i mean i think they should try switching i don't think it's gonna work but nothing else has either but they really only have like literally one five-man lineup that can switch so that's a problem yeah and that i mean this what the danger in what they did in the offseason was that it left them with a really top heavy roster and that's why the injury to divincenzo hurts so much is because when when you only have seven guys you would trust in the playoff series when you lose one of them it really hurts yeah and you know bobby portis would give them some more offense but he's going to get cooked on defense as well yeah it, but you're right i mean it's really hard to play pj tucker Giannis. Brooke Lopez, like they really only have one shooter. That's Middleton. You know, Holiday, like, will shoot, and he's not, you're not going to just leave him, but he's also not, like, you know, a guy where you're like, oh man, we can't leave this guy. Like, you'll yeah. do it if you have to. Yeah, same with Connaughton. Yeah, so I, I think they're in trouble. I mean, it seemed like a five-game series barring, you know, some big change with injuries uh, or whatever. Well, you don't need me to tell you about why Locker Room is such an awesome platform. You're hearing it on this pod. You can jump in. You can ask your questions. You can converse. You can make fun of us. Whatever you want to do. The app is free to download. Once you're in, talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team, your favorite sport. John and I host uh, our locker room each week on Wednesdays, generally 2 Eastern, 11 Pacific. Also do another locker room with Danny LaRue at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific on Tuesdays. That's an hour-long one of just questions, so you can jump in there. So definitely download that free locker room app now. It's currently available on all iOS devices. They have a beta on Android. You create a profile, you link your Twitter, and you join the NBA group for the latest updates. You can follow me at NateDuncanNBA or Danny at Danny LaRue. Be notified when our rooms go live. Locker room is just a really fun technology 
and hope to see you in our rooms next week do you know that 85 percent of people who play daily fantasy sports lose is it really that surprising the game's rigged against you you're playing against thousands of other lineups not to mention experts who have more tools and more time you don't stand a chance that's why there's stat hero it is the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach here's how it works stat hero actually shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them it's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup you name your stakes and it's winner take all you have the advantage stat hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time no one else does that so this is dfs the way it was meant to be one-on-one play stat hero now and change the odds go to stathero.com slash locked on sign up for free and right now you can get three times back on your first play they're giving you a 300 percent match that's unheard of go to stathero.com slash locked on that's stathero.com slash locked on anything else that stood out to you that you want to talk about from these this last week or so of playoffs you want to talk about Memphis at all? Yes, of course. I oh yeah, no, actually, I do want to talk about Memphis. So, <laughs> I, I think it's pretty and, interesting and, where, where they go from here. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit last week. But uh, anything you wanted to add? I, I think the uh, they're actually going to have twenty million in cap space now because I mean, there's no way that they hold on to Justice Winslow, right? I they they are fronting like they might. Um, I I still just because think, the idea is he wasn't fully healthy and he needs more time. I I think no the the idea is that somebody might want to trade for him between now and when they have to make the decision. Um, or or that they could make a trade involving his salary. I, I think that's more the idea. Um, yeah, the, but, that team might want to just sign him for the minimum instead once he <laughs> once he they uh, no. They but if there's like if there's a deal for Memphis that is like Justice William. Winslow plus a 17th pick for a starter caliber player they probably do that right yeah I guess they don't they yeah you make a good point there isn't really any other matching salary that they have right like the I mean it's pretty amazing if you look at their salary sheet for next year Winslow if he opts into the or or if they opt him in he's their second highest paid player they got Valanchunas at 14 is their highest paid player and Brooks at 12 so yeah they really I mean and Kyle Anderson they want to hold on to him Tyus Jones would be the other one they could maybe move but he still is their backup point guard i i could easily see them moving off of jones especially if they draft a a point guard at 17 yeah because you're not i don't think you're going to pay your backup one that kind of salary going forward especially when it's a small guy who can't really play at the same time as john morant so i i think you know somebody more in like the george hill space where it's a combo i I think you could talk yourself into a lot more um but yeah i think it's you know they're looking at kind of a consolidation year in some ways because they have basically like 13 rotation caliber players who they can't pay all of them going forward. So like at some point in the two years between now and when John Morant is making a max and Jaron Jackson is likely making significantly more money and, you know, some of these other guys are probably going to get paid too. Like there's going to be some consolidation, this rotation. And can they figure out a way to trade uh, some of these red chips for blue chips? You know, like um, almost like four for like a four for for one trade would be amazing for memphis good luck <laughs> exactly <laughs> I, I mean there's you know i don't think anybody is doing uh tim perry jeff hornacek and andrew lang for charles barkley anymore or whatever whatever i, I don't know if lang was the third guy but yeah I, I don't think teams are doing that deal anymore 
um yeah you know it's uh, what do you think they need that's that's the biggest question i mean they have so the, the me, other yeah, go ahead. the other reason they might consider picking up this winslow option as crazy as it sounds is because that they do need another big forward and the market for big forwards this summer is absolute crap so if they can't trade for one or or draft one or come into one in some other ways keeping winslow for one more year at 13 and having him be an expiring might not be the worst thing now that that's only the case though if you have no cap room aspirations in other words if you're already predetermined that you're not going to sign anybody this summer the other thing too is they don't necessarily need matching salary to send back with justice winslow because they just have cap space they could just take someone into their cap space and i would i would argue that might be the best move for them this summer is that some teams will be looking to dump money and they could do you know do a redux of their iguodala deal and get more assets i mean they they have 14 players signed for next season that's insane you never see that yeah uh, and yeah that, that would include yeah with winslow and then if the with draft winslow pick and winslow and yeah with winslow and chante porter like i, I don't think chante porter is going to be back next year but even if you know if they just roster their two draft picks they're at 15 before before they do anything in free agency yeah i mean maybe you just hold on to winslow because they definitely in that utah series they really could have used his defense because they were just in this situation where they just didn't when conley and mitchell were out there together john morant had to guard one of those guys and they were screwed yeah and they also were playing six like they they would have to put once anytime anderson went out they ended up with dylan brooks playing four with two six four shooting guards so they had to take brooks off of mitchell and put him on bogdanovich because otherwise bogdanovich was just going to mash one of the other guys and so right. they, they were just they were just playing whack-a-mole on perimeter even beyond the fact that they were putting Valanciunas in pick and roll and all the other all the other leaks they were springing just the ability to match up without another big wing on the roster was really hard for them if you're really thinking about a serious team in Memphis that's going to actually contend like I think John Morant can be good enough for that it, Jaron Jackson remains to be seen obviously particularly defensively but you're kind of you're in on him you're hoping that he's going to develop but they really they need as of right now three things right they need another wing defender and this goes hand in hand with that that you really can't have Valanciunas be your main guy in the playoffs defensively like you just you're not going to be able to stop teams with him they've yeah. they've reached like i think utah proved that very clearly uh and then you also need another perimeter guy you know i don't think dylan brooks as your second perimeter guy is getting you where you need to be either so they still have a lot of guy, a lot of things on the wish list and maybe this ends up with them topping out as kind of a second round playoff team because they just structurally can't get to where you need to be to be you know uh, from both the you know multiple angles of attack and shooting offensively and defensive versatility maybe you just can't get there but it's, that's where you want to be if you got you got to get there if you're gonna be a championship contender yeah and it's i mean if you if you're not one of these teams that has lebron james or kevin durant fall on your lap in free agency it turns out it's really hard uh so <laughs> it's 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 definitely gonna be a challenge for them and they I, I agree with you though like i think the best version of them when they look two years out in a playoff series is is with Jaron Jackson as a five and maybe somebody at the four who who compliments him uh, in, t- in terms of like being maybe a plus rebounder. Um, and then Valanciunas, probably more situational slash regular season five. Yeah, or I mean, his contract expires after next year too. So, um, all right, let's do some uh, some quick playoff awards here. Playoff awards here. Oh, okay. Who's your... 
so far? I would probably say Kawhi Leonard. I, I think yeah, he's you, really been spectacular. Although, I mean, KD has a. It's hard for me to argue strenuously for KD because they haven't like they haven't had to play in competitive enough series for me to really be like, oh, KD is taken over. Which he, I mean, he's I, been like, the he's player been, of the second round. Certainly. He's been he's been awesome. Yeah, but I just like Kawhi and that like like Kawhi and that like that games is that was the guy who won the championship for Toronto right where you're like oh my goodness this guy's just in complete you know locked in yeah. robot mode or he's just I, I mean you could even argue he was better because he is guarding Luca which was a lot easier than that or a lot harder than guarding Giannis uh you know that Kawhi was kind of you know a little slow and kind of not really himself defensively like this this Kawhi was crazy he's making help plays he's guarding Luca I mean that's but yeah I mean I, I wouldn't I, I would say it's still him because I wouldn't uh just let game one last night against Utah which uh that wasn't too good we'll talk about that in a second but uh for just the Clippers overall yeah I'm not gonna he's had a couple of stinkers but yeah I mean I think overall the value is, has been the highest but you know I mean he and KD are looking like the two best guys in the league right now we'll see how the rest of this series goes against Utah obviously for Kawhi yeah I think it's going to be a, a really interesting test and then you know Donovan Mitchell's look great too I mean he he really won that game for Utah yesterday especially not having Conley and that was the question was whether Utah could score one-on-one and they were able to at least for for one game well I would push back on that because they weren't actually going one-on-one the the reason I liked the Clippers in that series was that they could space out the other uh, Gobert on offense and that they could switch everything on defense and then they played Luke Kennard and like because because they wouldn't switch (laughs) right like yeah yeah, yeah, so that's true so he's just turning the corner in pick and roll and just getting right to the room and and granted they were tired but i really thought like you know i don't know what happened to nick batum i mean maybe he was just tired but like to only play him 21 minutes like he looked fine when he was out there so i didn't really get that i want Uh, i did wonder if that was strategic he played i want to say 81 minutes in the last two games that dallas series like there there's definite like so when we did this show last week i said in a hypothetical clippers utah matchup i would probably take the clippers and i switched when I wrote my preview for the Athletic, because the Clippers coming off that seven-game series, like Utah is set up to win the battle of attrition. Now, um, now Mike Conley being out is another little wrinkle that I hadn't expected. So we'll see how that part plays out. But I do think the fatigue element for Utah is going to be very real. There are no extra off days this entire series. It's just every other the whole way, um, and they're playing at elevation four times. I I just wonder how much the Clippers' best players are going to have in the tank this is going to be a really interesting problem for Ty Lue to manage especially if this is a long series which I think it probably ends up being yeah that said they still could have won last night and with Conley out maybe they should have pushed a little harder just in terms of the personnel they're playing I mean I understood not playing guys as many minutes I think that I understood why they did that and it, it is kind of shaping up to be a long series but that leading by 13 at halftime with no Mike Conley to just and then Rondo was so bad I, I loved how Ty Lue went away from him in the Dallas series when he was killing them yeah and he just didn't see that he was killing them last night like their offense they weren't guarding him at all he couldn't do anything 
anything. Yeah, that was that was really bad. And they, like they kind of forgot about man and all that. Like even if you're going to rest Batum, I you know that the Terrence Mann was perfectly capable of playing, right? Yeah, uh, you know I I agree with you. So yeah, I mean that that was uh, and to just to not really like switch up what they were doing defensively against Mitchell in the fourth quarter. I mean they're just like he's getting downhill, getting right to the basket every single time. It was just rinse repeat with two high screens involving Kennard and then you just split it or turn the corner and get right to the rim to his right hand every single time um let's see here what else do we oh i mean so who's your pick now for the championship we, we do this every week <laughs> i think it has to be brooklyn i mean they, they they look awesome right now the one obviously flying the ointment is james harden with that hamstring but i i, I still think it's uh man they, they just look really good right now obviously i think i think some tactical things the bucks are doing are playing into that but even I mean, you if, gotta be like even if encouraged. Harden can't play until the finals, right? Even if he, which means he'd be out basically a month and then show up for the finals. I like can Philadelphia beat this team? I think they could. I think that, it, and now the Nets defense has surprised me, obviously against the Bucks. But I mean, they, like you can't do anything with Joel Embiid. Like they just are going to have to double team. They have no chance guarding yeah. him one on one at all. Uh, and I mean, I think they probably won't play DeAndre. But I mean, like Nick Claxton, Blake Griffin, like Clint Capella has no chance against Embiid. Like like he is as of right now. Now maybe the Nets can do something different in terms of just perimeter pressure and prevent him from getting the ball and all that. But like he, like he he's going to cause problems for them. That, now they can probably outscore him on the other end uh you know i do think at this point philly i like their defensive versatility probably better than milwaukee you know ben simmons i think is probably better than anyone milwaukee has on the perimeter and, i mean he's an offensive liability but my goodness when he's out when he's out there as a secondary defender like he he hasn't been great when they put him on trey young but when right. he's just kind of out there like in a in another spot where you can just cause general havoc like st- stuff just happens like he's amazing you know it, I think the the Hawks need to do a better job of not guarding him, right? Like for him to own, for them to give up, you know, whatever it was, like a one thirty defensive rating, and Matisse Thybul plays twenty four minutes and only has to take one three pointer. Like that yeah. means you're not you're not doing a good enough job of not guarding him. If that's the case, like you got to just straight up let him bomb away. And if he because they have no chance of stopping them otherwise, I don't think. Yeah, I mean they're um, basically they're basically in the same boat that the Nets would be next round because Capella, as as good as he is as a you know rim protector and doing some of the other things like straight post-up defense against a behemoth center like Embiid is is not his wheelhouse I think they should play him actually a lot less I think you go you go all offense because this I used to go back to this with Shaq too is like why if you're going to double team anyway like what is what does it matter who the first guy is now Shaq it mattered a little more because he was going to like post up right at the charge circle like Embiid doesn't work that hard to get the ball because he's skilled enough that he can just back down or yeah. shoot over the top he'll do all these other things as well and frankly he's probably not in the same condition that Shaq was at his peak uh to just work really hard uh, around the basket so I think if you're just going to double team anyway why not go all offense and space it and beat out on the other end uh because he was yeah would you start Gallinari at five and then I don't think I would start him but I I would bring him in pretty quickly I actually thought he did the best of any of their guys carting and beat too hilariously well I mean because he'll at least flop when he gets run over exactly well exactly yeah he took that charge and then there was the little fracas where I was worried Embiid was a risk getting thrown out for that 
who do you think wins? What do you think happens in that series before we're about to take some questions here? But you, you got any thoughts on how that plays out the rest of the way? Yeah, I, I mean, I think Philadelphia is going to win the series, but Atlanta's a good enough team to extend them. Like, I think this good. I said, so I said Philly in seven. I was a little more unsure about how much Embiid was going to be able to play when I wrote that. Um, I, I would say probably having seen these first two games, I'd go more six. Uh, but Atlanta's good. Like, they, <laughs> they're they a talented team. Defensively, they're not great. And so maybe your point about going all in on offense is just the way to go. And not having DeAndre Hunter, I think, hurt them because now, now they're getting savaged by Tobias Harris in addition to Embiid. Like, there's two guys they can't guard. I like the, the word savage. That's, that's a good word. <laughs> if you're hiring for your company, what you need is help making your short list of quality candidates. You don't need 500 candidates who just applied with no regard for what the actual qualifications are. You need Indeed instead. You can post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. You can also use skill tests to winnow down the field of applicants. And using Indeed overall will on average reduce the amount of time you spend on hiring by 27%. You only pay for the candidates that meet your must-have qualifications and you can schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. They've got over 130 skills tests or you can even add your own. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. So you're getting the high quality candidates, you're saving time, and ultimately, getting the applicants that are right for you get started right now with a free 75 dollars sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash locked the name of this network get a 75 dollars credit indeed.com slash locked indeed.com slash locked offer valid through june 30th terms and conditions apply we'll tell you about lucy nicotine a company founded by caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative they've got both gums and lots in nice flavors wintergreen cinnamon and pomegranate for their gum cherry ice citrus and mint for the lozenge each has four milligrams of nicotine and what's more lucy lozenges and gums are fsa and hsa eligible so you can use your cards to purchase lucy it's convenient and discreet you can enjoy it anywhere on flights at work on the go even in the gym so it's 2021 now you don't need to smoke cigarettes anymore you can unplug your vape you can throw out your dip get some lucy nicotine gum or lozenges a subscription comes directly to your door each month so it's so simple and you don't have to leave your house because lucy has their delivery down and for lockdown nba listeners go to lucy.co and use the promo code lockdown nba to get 20 percent off all products on your first order including gum or lozenges that's lucy.co promo code lockdown nba the name of this network at checkout also i have to give this disclaimer warning this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco nicotine is an addictive chemical that's lucy.co and be sure to use that promo code locked on nba okay well let's uh let's get back in here to the speaker requests and uh Mm -hmm. hendrick you are up first here you don't have to ask if we can hear you just start talking and uh, we'll respond here we go hendrick you are in hendrick is not in the first jump back in hendrick if you uh if you have a chance and let's get to Jaden. Jaden, you are on um yes i just kind of wanted to um see your thoughts on the the jazz series and what the jazz do um with a couple things i mean first 
just a pretty crazy game last night to see Mitchell go off. But my biggest concern is I feel like we really need to try to utilize Gobert more on the offensive end if we're going to win this series. I mean, if they're going to continue to play the switching defense for, defense for the majority of um, you know the way they play us, I mean, I, I guess that's probably been the biggest issue with Gobert and what a lot of people feel about him is he just doesn't have any much of an offensive game where he does much creation himself. And so I just wanted to kind of see, I mean, what your thoughts were and what maybe the Jazz could do to adjust and see if they can get Gobert more involved on the offensive end. Um, and the another question I kind of want to ask too, since we're kind of on the topic of the Jazz as well, and you guys are more on the salary cap side of things. Um, when this season concludes, I mean, they're going to be 130 million guaranteed, and that doesn't include Conley. I'd assume that they'd prioritize bringing Conley back. Um, what do you think the Jazz could do if they were to try and dump um, Bogdanovich and his 19 million dollar salary, you know, average for the next two years? Um, any see any possible fits where they could do that without taking any salary back? And would you consider him a positive asset? given his shooting and, you know, any concerns with, you know, his defensive liabilities. So, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts. I'll take the Gobert part, John, if you want to talk about the the tax one. I think uh, yeah, sure. the, the posting up, obviously, for Rudy is not, even as a duck-in guy, he's not really that strong. He's got a high center of gravity, and he has no touch around the basket. So I don't think giving him the ball, other than when he's open to dunk, is a great idea. But if you go back and watch the first play of the game uh, against the Clippers, what they had him do is setting a quick screen and then they shorted the the pick and roll and he sprinted to the front of the rim and they when they you short the pick and roll that means you basically you throw it to the wing and then that guy tries to get it to the roll man because he has a better angle and then they had to suck in the backside of the defense to deal with that and they threw it to the weak side they got a wide open three which of course they missed because they couldn't hit anything at the beginning of the game but that's really where he comes in is just that hard sprint to the basket he'll pick up a couple of fouls that way too on guys just holding him as they're trying to switch so it's just those continuous hard rolls slipping out of things that's really where they can use him and it's really more about his gravity than it's going to be okay we'll throw him the ball and, and let him do something um but john yeah you want to uh, address kind of just their tax situation yeah. and bogdanovich yeah the, the the other way gobert can make them pay is by mashing these guys in the offensive boards uh, when he gets a small on him uh, you saw him do that a little bit uh last night i thought he could do it even a little more with with Bogdanovich, what? So, are you are you starting Joe Ingles at the four then? Like, what, you need you need to you need to fill in that spot sometime. I mean, this is a pretty this team is like they're eight deep with quality, but then it drops off a cliff after that. So, when you when you remove him, what what are, what are you doing for a starter? I think that's the one issue. Like, I don't see his contract as like a huge negative. I, I have a value on him as like eleven million ish next year. Um, and he's making 19, which is, you know, a little more, but it's not like dead money. I mean, he, they, they could trade it for something clearly, but I think he actually fits what they do pretty well because he's a great floor spacer, but he also, if you try to switch and put a small on him, he will mash that guy. And I think that's important with those guards Utah has uh, to, to that they have other ways to punish switches besides just Conley and Mitchell going one-on-one. So I, I do think he plays a pretty useful role for them. I think if they were going to try to trade somebody to move off of money, it actually might be Ingles, as odd as that says, uh, sounds, because he makes 13 next year, and he's in the last year of his deal. But they have some hard 
hard financial decisions, especially in that market. If you think Conley's going to get 20 to 30 million, I mean, you're deep in the tax now. Um, you don't want to move off of O'Neill necessarily. I mean, do you trade favors and then hope that Udoka as a can become a legitimate center or you draft another center with your 30th pick? Like they, they got some tough decisions coming up clearly. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Let's get to get back to the speaker request here. Let's get, uh, let's get Alan in here. Alan Cockrell, you are on. I love seeing all the avatars of everyone's pets. That's always an enjoyable part of, the, of this. Alan, you there? All right. Maybe he's just a dog and he can't talk because that's that's what his avatar is. Uh, jump back in, Alan, if you, if you get a chance. I know you've been active in the in the comments, so we, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, all right, here we go. Let's uh, let's get Don in. Don has a problem with something that I tweeted last night. Let's uh, let's see what that is. Don, you are on. I wanted to hear a good explanation for it. Maybe I'm reading it wrong, but it sounds like the Hawks should keep their starters in to put more mileage on Embiid's knee to maybe you know increase the risk of injury. That's how I interpreted it. Well, so this was at the end of the game. Normally, I'd be saying, "Hey, the game's over. Get your starters out of there and just wait to play for the next game." But by keeping your starters out there the custom in the nba is that as long as the team that's down keeps their starters out there the team that's ahead keeps their starters out there so if you're the hawks the way that this injury works for Embiid is he's got this meniscus he's trying to play on it the more wear and tear you have on it yeah you probably increase the odds of it swelling up and him either not being able to play as effectively or uh missing a game later in the series like it's the type of thing if you have that meniscus issue they're trying to manage the swelling and just the more mileage you put on it maybe the less effective he'll be later in the series I don't think that's any different than you know a guy who's prone to getting tired putting some more mileage on him so I think in that case it was the right strategy I don't know that they were thinking that to leave their starters out for longer so Embiid would get more minutes and potentially be less effective later in the series that's not rooting for Joel Embiid to get injured I really celebrate what he's done this year he was my per minute MVP this season but the reality is if you're trying to win the series you absolutely need to have in mind that you know he's injured and you don't try to injure him but make him run up and down the floor make some more moves make some more jumps like absolutely you should try to do that yeah I would say tactically I mean that's fair game yeah it's a good strategy i agree with the strategy i just think the tweet itself is in bad taste um and maybe clarifying it would have helped i i mean it's it first of all like a, a tweet you can only say so much within the number of characters that there are i mean you know if people are going to interpret no, that as like true, but there's also i'm sorry there's also threats like you could make another one right below it i don't really think that's an excuse um well okay so like number one like twitter is i mean an excuse for what like it's in bad taste how like that i want him to get injured like this is sports this is strategy like it's literally saying that the hawks should play their players extra minutes to increase the risk of injury on a beat that's what it's okay so what's wrong with that that's not good taste at all Uh, like it's true though i I mean right like if you were the coach Uh, of the hawks would you do that or not you would do it right if you're the increase the the risk of another player's injury uh no i would not want to increase the risk of mbs i mean we're not talking about them like trying to like knock the guy out of the air and play dirty or something it's just make him run up and down the floor more like make him play the game of basketball it's, for it's longer i mean this is poor taste i know i'm not the only one who thinks oh no you're not every every other philly fan does it seems like getting a lot of crap for that but i mean that's just I'm it's just the reality of the situation you know like so 
I, I mean, I don't even like it. John, as a as a general. somewhat neutral party here, do you think that's just like a terrible thing to tweet? I mean, this this is what you're thinking if if you're if you're working for one of the teams. If you're if you're Atlanta, you're you're not thinking. I hope Embiid gets injured, but you are thinking we we are we are going to try to tax him physically as much as we can to gain an advantage, and and that's just what you do in that situation. So I, I yeah. that, that's that's the re, that's the reality of it. Yeah. So I mean. I think it could have been misinterpreted. Well, okay. I, I'm not responsible for misinterpretations. Like that it's that's the reality of the situation. That's like what people on the other team are thinking. That's what you come to this account and this show for. I mean, I think the people who are complaining about that is like in poor taste. I'm not saying I hope Joel Embiid gets injured as a fan. I'm trying to look at it from the Hawks perspective. And if you can't handle that, like I think you're just soft, honestly. Oh my god. Listen, it's not that big of a deal to me. I'm just saying it's poor taste. Okay. Well, I mean, it's, it's, uh, so if I should have said, I hope he doesn't get injured, but they should do and this. I know something. it's not your first tweet in poor taste either. I know. Yeah. All right. Well, th- I, I appreciate that. It, it, and, you know, I'm always willing to have a civil discussion with people. Yeah. I appreciate you bringing me up. What'd you say? I said, I appreciate you bringing me up. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm always willing to be accountable and, and talk about the stuff I do, but I also am, am going to defend it when I think that's necessary. Um, okay. We're going to get a couple more in here. Um, let's go to, let's get Chet in here. Chet, what's going on, man? How are you? Good. I just want to say about the, the last caller situation. You were totally in the right there. I mean, I'm a Lakers fan and the Suns went right at 80 every play and I thought it was 100% the right move and there was no hard feelings. So, I mean, I don't totally understand where he was coming from, but whatever. Uh, my real question is about the heliocentric offices and Doncic. Um, cause it seems like the best way to like unlock some of these superstars so that they can compete in the playoffs and play all these possessions is to have a, some other superstar or someone who can carry the offense when they're on the court a little bit, you know, for a little bit of rest and when he's off the court. And it was interesting to see that he was had the ball like 13% of the time and the next highest in the playoffs is like nine and a half percent so his numbers in the third and fourth quarter are obviously going to be down because he's gassed you know um i i truly think he is the best player in the world because if you put him let's say you switch Kawhi and luca i know this isn't the best way to determine if someone's like a better player but i think that the the clippers would coast through the west um and want to know what your thoughts are on that John, since I yeah, yeah I, go ahead. I I think you know th- there's the other end of the floor too though, right? I mean, like Kawhi just unlocks so much more capability defensively when he can when he can switch onto your five capably and still guard your guard your one two three on the perimeter. Uh, so I I mean Luca's awesome, but like I'm still taking Kawhi if there's a game tomorrow. Yeah, and Kawhi was scoring 45 points and also guarding Luca, and he didn't wear down. You know, I think there there, there is a certain guys do have the capability of running a, a little bit harder now luca having to beat his guy off a switch every single time and stuff you know that that is more difficult to be the only guy like he's not able to take possessions off and off and so i, I definitely feel it uh, jet that having another guy who could be a threat and you know they envisioned porzingis being that guy but unfortunately he's just not able to really be any kind of a creator for them and brunson wasn't effective so yeah i mean that it's an issue i you know 
Luca is like a pretty good shooter so he could play off the ball more you know they need to explore more of that for sure but I, I also you know I, I'm not willing to go there yet with Luca you know particularly because he you know he got lit up by Kawhi at the end of game six trying to switch as well so your defensive versatility is a little bit less I think Luca's okay on switches not amazing um so yeah I think I probably would rather have Kawhi or KD just because they don't have any weaknesses to attack whereas Luca has some even if he might be a more all-encompassing offensive player overall. Yeah, I I, I want to say that I, I had similar thoughts uh, about Luca and defense before. I mean, he's gotten a lot better. He's oh, yeah, for sure. much average. And because he's like, you know, he's 6'7 or whatever, it's not the same thing as uh, like these smaller guards switching on. If they're like a liability at all, it's done, you know, in yeah. the playoffs. He, he at least competes. With, like he's not going to just get trucked for a great shot every single time. I agree with you. On that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I don't know. I mean, the Kawhi thing with him dropping 45, you know, he's he not taking it on as many shots, not creating as much. There's all this, you don't even know, like like, if you watch a random Clipper game, you don't necessarily even know Kawhi is the best player on the team. It could be someone else or whatever, Paul George going off or whatever. Because that, that kind of shows that they can rely on Paul George to create the offense when he's off the floor. That that Harden and Chris Paul way of dealing with the heliocentric offense, it wasn't really heliocentric because they would just have Chris Paul run the heliocentric part when he was off the yeah. floor. But when he was on the floor, it gave Harden a little bit more rest, take some possessions off, and they almost beat the Warriors. So just putting, like, those two like creators around shooting seems to be like the key especially with how the nets are right now like without even Harden doesn't really matter because they have two guys who are can take over when the others you know a little bit tired or whatever and they can spray around to shooting and that seems like that's the future of the nba no it, it is good to have uh three all-time hall of famers on your team i i do agree with you there all right thanks chat always always enjoy hearing from you let's do get one more in here and that is going to be joe joe how are you joe rise are you here hey there hey joe how are you doing great doing great uh this is a, this is our last one so what do you got for us oh all right well I was, it wasn't even as much of an analysis question, but I was kind of curious as to who you guys are rooting for to make it into the Western Conference Finals just from a matchup perspective. I know we've talked a lot about wanting to see the Bucks and Nets play because they match up very interestingly. Um, hasn't been that way so far, but, um, yeah, just who, who would you, who, what are the two teams you guys would want to see and why? I want to see Denver play Utah again, selfishly, just because of what happened in last year's playoffs. But, um, I want, I want to see Gobert and Jokic play against each other again. So that, that's the matchup I would like to see. I don't think I'm going to get it. I think Phoenix is going to win that series uh and then i want to see mike conley win a championship so i want utah there for that reason too i'd say utah phoenix might be the the most i mean definitely phoenix i think just because denver is so limited with their perimeter rotation that i just don't i think they're they're not like a huge threat although i had them when losing these two series too i've, I've always been maybe too low on denver we'll see how game two goes tonight but yeah i think utah phoenix or clippers phoenix are both right up there for me i think utah phoenix just because i think that would be just a very fascinating dance of how each team is going to deal with the others pick and roll when neither team really has you know the versatility to switch so you've got like traditional centers out there i think it would be a, a fascinating matchup like two, just an unbelievable backcourt matchup as well so that's probably what i would be looking for and uh thanks for that question joe awesome to hear from all of you again and john and i will be back next week at the same usual time 2 eastern 11 pacific talk to you all then addiction plays hardball 
he would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit CARON.org slash lost. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 